Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of the Wrestling Room Podcast. I am Nick Zeller-Singh. Alongside me is Brady Poplar and Cade Beamlander, and we're going to be talking about some good old NCAA wrestling and focusing more on for ASU wrestling a bit, too. But, you know, we're just going to be talking about once a week, hopefully, about wrestling, some of the big stories, some standouts of the week, maybe some guys who have been overperforming, underperforming. And then once again, you know, since we're ASU affiliated, we're going to talk about our one and only Sun Devils at, uh, at least once in every single episode. So um, if you guys want to introduce yourselves, you guys can go on ahead. I'll start with, uh, I'll start with Brady. Hey, guys, I'm Brady. For, for uh, I'm a Hawkeyes fan, so once we talk about the Hawkeyes, I'll probably be more engaged on them than other teams as I'm a fan of the Hawkeyes. All righty, and Cade? Um, I mean, I could appreciate the Hawkeyes. Um, oh, my name's Cade, by the way. I could appreciate the Hawkeyes, but I'm a ASU fan through and through. Go Devils, man. All righty. So let's get into it. So it's now week two. We're going to talk about week one and two, the teams and the wrestlers that have stood out in these first few duels and tournaments. And then I'll start it off and then I'll open it up to you guys if you guys want to talk about it. Uh, I think it was the biggest duel so far this year is Oklahoma State beating Stanford 29 to 7. And um, just looking at some of the things, you know, Dayton Fix came, made his return. He won 7 to 3 over Jackson Desario. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State. One of the top five teams in the country beat Stanford, who's like a top 15 team. And they look pretty strong. I mean, A.J. Ferrari also, who was the 197 national champion, made, a, made his presence, made 16-3 a win. So it was a pretty good win. I don't know if you guys want to go on, on uh, onto that, what Oklahoma State-Stanford looked like. I'll open up to you guys. Fix looked good, and I think he – He's ranked number two in the country right now, and I think he'll probably stay up there and he'll be a top dude at the end of the year. But good performance, 7-3 against a Stanford team that's pretty decent. So I like that. And I think Oklahoma State, they'll be good almost all year. Yeah, wasn't Oklahoma State, didn't they win the dual tournament last year, the dual championship? Uh, I think I don't think they had the dual championships. They're coming back this year. Oh, was last which would be year interesting. Year? Yeah. yeah, I mean they'll they'll be in it, so they'll they'll be a team a team to watch out for. Yeah, I mean we got a lot of good wrestlers this year because a lot of, I mean a lot of athletes got uh, another year of eligibility because of the COVID, and we had a few couple like important injuries last year too. I feel like a lot of the weight classes are going to be really competitive. I definitely agree. Uh, I'm going to go into some of the individual tournaments. Uh, so Ohio State was in the, I forgot what it's called, like the Ohio Open. They played some of the Ohio schools. They dominated. Minnesota beat South Dakota State and North Dakota State in an individual tournament. And then the Sun Devils dominated. They absolutely dominated. Came home with eight individual titles in the individual, the Open also. So that was pretty big. But I want to move over to the Hawkeyes. I want Brady to talk about his uh, good old Hawkeyes in the Midwest. The Hawkeyes had eight champions, and Lee, he did not wrestle at the 125, and Cassiope also didn't wrestle at the 125. But Jesse Yarborough, he took first place to Santo. He dominated the tournament. He, I think his closest match was the championship match, and it was against Colin Sharif, who took second. So 
you had two guys that for Iowa at 132, both placed first and second. And that's the same thing at uh, the 141 weight class with Ironman and Schroeder. Ironman took first against uh, Schroeder. And that's the same thing you can say with the 149 weight class. They had one, first, second, and third all at the 149. They won at 157. At 165, they took first, second, and third again. At 174, they took second. And 184, Abasad took second, losing to Caleb Whitening unattached. Uh, Zach Glazier took first for Iowa. Jacob Warner took second. And then Aaron Costello, the heavyweight, who replaced Cassiope in this tournament at least, took sixth. So a little down performance there, but Iowa had a bunch of top winners. Now, I know we're talking about Lee not uh, – he's not going to be facing off against Princeton also, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, so we had that one – a potential one-two matchup. Kate, I want to know kind of what you're thinking, why Lee might not be wrestling, what we could see from Iowa possibly in this uh, Princeton duel. I mean, Lee's already like a proven guy. He's what, a three-time national champ? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have – he really has nothing to prove. So, I mean, why would you want to wrestle this guy early on in the season? You know, he might, he's, he's had injuries in the past and he's had injury problems. So might as well let him get healthy at the beginning of the season where matches don't really matter and save him for the end, you know, save him for those, like, yeah, just save him for the end. Yeah. That's exactly it. Like he did have injuries in the NCAA tournament and he still won. So he doesn't really have to prove himself early on in the year and it's kind of a good litmus test I think is the word for Jesse Wybera to kind of show where he's at because I'm pretty sure this is Lee's last year so Wybera being a redshirt freshman kind of gets to prove himself against a top wrestler in glory okay well and I was kind of doing this with a lot of other top wrestlers who might not wrestle there is a probable lineup and I'm pretty sure their 174 wrestler, um, Michael Kemmer, he's not going to wrestle either, probably. And probably DeSanto might not wrestle. So there's a couple guys for Iowa who might not wrestle against Princeton on Friday. Yeah, those are a bunch of, like, NCAA finalists that you just mentioned. So dudes who have already beaten, like, some of the best in the nation, you know? What, what do they have to lose wrestling in one or not wrestling in one duel? You know, exactly. All right. Well, let's move on now to some of the teams and wrestlers that are over or underperforming. Um, all started off. So Penn State had two dominant wins so far. But, you know, according to Flo, there's a lot of questions over this team. You know, who's going to start at 25, 57, 65, 97? This team doesn't look like they're set for at least a national duels run in the, in the next month or so, let alone the Big Ten and the NCAA. So are you, are you guys worried at all for Penn State? I know it's very early in the season. They got the depth, of course. I mean, it's, it's a top two, three team in the country. But are, are you guys worried at all for what Penn State is going through right now? I think there, there's some spots in their lineup that are weak, like 125, and obviously 133 and 141 are their top dogs in Bravo Young and Nick Lee. But really after that, if you go to like 149 and 157 and 165, they're kind of weak there. 
So I do see some concern for this team if they want to make a run against Iowa. What can they do for these younger guys to step up in the middle of their lineup? Yeah, um, like a few years ago, Penn State was basically described as like the Alabama of wrestling, you know, like they were the first place team unanimously pretty much every year. And now we're finally starting to see some of these, some of these teams actually compete with them, you know. Um, but like in a few of those middleweights, like uh, Penn State just got Bo Barlett, you know, uh, the freshman. Like he, mm-hmm. he's one of those guys who will probably be one of the top guys in a few years, but he's young at this point, you know. Got to let him grow a little bit. Well, since Iowa – well, let's look at some of these top teams then. Iowa – Mizzou, ASU, they're all, you know, senior heavy or, you know, upperclassmen heavy, Penn State a little younger. Could you see Penn State, you know, quote unquote, rebuilding and getting ready for the next couple years then as these other teams make their final run? I just think that I think they can maybe make a run, but I don't think they'll be that team at the top of the hill at the end of the year. They can have a chance to, but I don't think their whole lineup will come together like Iowa will or some of these other teams at the top of the list. Okay. Well, another team that has been disappointing is Oregon State, one of uh, ASU's rivals. They are one and two in duels this season. Struggled a bit in the individual tournament as well. On the bad side of four upsets already, uh, former Sun Devil Corey Crooks started the season at 22nd in the rankings, has fallen off already. So Oregon State – should we should we be, I guess, concerned about them? Or should ASU, Stanford be concerned that they can bounce back later in the season? Or is Oregon State already written off? Personally, I wouldn't really be too concerned about them. You know, um, in the past, they've never really been one of those, like, top-in-the-nation teams. They've had, like, top-in-the-nation guys, you know, like individuals. But as a team, they're never really – in the conversation for like one of the best, you know? And then pretty much every year we got ASU and Stanford as like the top teams in the Pac-12, you know? Um, so yeah, I really, I really don't think we should worry about them. I don't know if you- I wouldn't worry too much. I think they'll probably get their foot back on the ground and be maybe the team that people thought they would be. But I don't think anyone had them being a top team in the country they do have like you said Corey Crooks he hasn't looked too good he's three and three on the season and his losses aren't the greatest losses he did wrestle Bo Bartlett decent he lost 1-0 he lost to Josh Heil of Campbell 5-0 in the Campbell Oregon State duel so I don't think he's looked horrible in the journeyman classic he did lose the first one but he bounced back with two wins towards the end of the tournament I believe so I think he'll probably just a slow start, and I think he'll get his foot on the ground. Well, I want to talk about one wrestler who has been overperforming, and that's ASU's Jesse Vasquez. Jesse Vasquez dominated. And at first, you know, that I was talking to Zeke. He said there's seven wrestlers in that 141 class, and technically Vasquez doesn't have the starting spot secured, but to dominate at the Mountaineer Invitational – is definitely a sign in the right direction. So he's now up, I think, 17th or 18th in the rankings, according to Flo. 
So Jesse Vasquez, do you guys think he could be a, a surefire spot? I think he can be. I think he's a perfect spot with, you know, the one-two combo at the lightweights, throwing him in, and then Parco. But I want to hear what your guys' thoughts are, uh, kind of rounding out that lighter weights for ASU. So I saw Vasquez wrestle at the practice scrimmage that ASU held, and he looked so fast against both of his guys. They beat them by he beat them by a good amount in each of those. And then even in the Mountaineer Invitational, he only had one match that was decided by three points. The other ones, he won 10-1, and he had two pins to top that off. So he just had a great matchup. And I think if he can be a decent or even a good wrestler, I think he just makes ASU's lineup that much stronger. Because this was one of my weaker spots looking at ASU's lineup. And if he can fulfill that 141 spot, I think they make ASU a top three team. Yeah, especially if he just continues to perform like that, you know, it's it's going to be hard to to stop a team where their first three guys are just scary, you know. Their first three guys you're going to be facing in a dual meet are going to be like three of their better ones, you know. And then you close it off with two, also two of our better ones. I mean, in general, ASU is a scary team this year, you know, now I'm thinking about it. Well, even if you go after Vasquez, Parco, he looks really good. And then you have Ja'Cory Temer and Anthony Valencia behind him. Mm-hmm. And then 74 and 84 is a little shaky for ASU right now. But then yeah. you have Norfleet and Colton Schultz who looked good last year. So okay. I think there's only a couple now shaky spots if Vasquez can hold his end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about 74 and 84 at the end of this podcast for ASU. But Let's jump in. Uh, I believe it was six days ago, November 10th, was uh, National Signing Day. Some of uh, maybe your high school buddies still, I don't know about any of mine, I'm a little too old now, maybe signed up uh, playing football, baseball, basketball, but there's also some big ones in wrestling too. And so some of the, let's look at some of how the top teams did. Uh, I was looking at it. Ohio State really stole the show. You know, it wasn't, I didn't see Iowa. I didn't see um, Penn State. I didn't see, you know, ASU, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, but no, Ohio State took uh, the number one recruit, Jesse uh, Mendez, and they also took two more top five recruits and Nick Fellman and Nick Uzaskis. So Ohio State stealing the show. You guys, uh, you guys see that coming? Because I could tell you what, I did not see that. Honestly, no. Ohio State's one of those teams that was good a few years ago, but you haven't really heard much from them recently. Like they've had, they're one of those teams that just had like a couple of guys, you know, but overall as a team, they really haven't, haven't been there. I would say the same. I wouldn't expect them to be having the number one recruiting class. I would probably pick, you know, Penn state, Iowa to have the top class, but Ohio state, like he just said, they were good a couple of years ago. And then now they kind of fall off where they only have a couple of guys, but if they can get a good recruiting class in they, and get, follow that up with a couple other good ones, I think they'll be back at the top of the list if they can keep this up. Well, I want to go back to you, Brady. The Hawkeyes, you know, our Hawkeye specialists had two top 50 recruits. Uh, I know they're a little uh, upperclassmen heavy. So you, are you are you personally worried as a Hawkeye fan that they didn't really do too well in the, the national signing day? Or are you pretty confident with the squad still? Uh, I mean, I guess we have probably seven out of the 10 being seniors. 
And I think if I look at their eligibility a little closer, almost all those seven guys, like this is their final season, I'm pretty sure. So I, I would say I'm a little worried, but I like how our recruiting classes have been where we can get the guys in here and like how Yadi Santo as a transfer. So I think we can work the transfer portal of wrestling too. So I'm not too worried as an Iowa fan, not getting the top recruiting class this year. But if it continues not having good recruiting classes year after year, then I would get a little worried, but I'm not worried right now, no. Oh, ASU also, they had three top 100 recruits, two at the 152 for high school class with 157. And then they also picked up Caleb Larkin, who is an Arizona native and actually the son of Eric Larkin, who is, I believe, like the 04 Hodge champ, something like that uh, here at ASU. So they picked up pretty well as well. And, you know, sticking with ASU, like we said, we're going to talk ASU at least for one segment each time. And we're going to look at the recap of the Mountaineer Invitational slash do the Oklahoma dual preview. So first of all, the Mountaineer Invitational, I want to know, who did you guys think stood out? Obviously, we talked Jesse Vasquez, but is there anyone else who really stood out in your mind? I mean, honestly, I'm going to go with Kyle Parker. I mean, he I mean, wasn't heavily recruited out of high school, uh, went to Fresno State his freshman year, and I mean, All-American, you know, it's something that's not easy to do, comes here and then just like continues to prove himself, you know, he just continues to win, which is something I didn't really expect, you know. Yeah, jumping off that before you jump in, Brady, as uh, I remember Zeke said after the Mountaineer Open is, uh, he said, Zeke said it, it looks good to see Parko and Maroon and Gold and then Parko ended up saying also that, you know, he's glad to be on a team where they all have that same mindset of trying to win it all. Mm-hmm. Pass it over to you, Brady. I would say North Fleet looked good, like we talked about. He didn't really have the greatest um, NCAA tournament. And then the next time he steps out onto the mat in real competition, he just absolutely dominates. His closest match was at 8-2 win. So I just think that's good for him because he's one of the leaders of the team. So if he's dominating, gives confidence to the rest of the team that they can go out there and win too. Because if he struggles, it kind of puts a like thought in your lineup, like, is this team an elite team? But if he's out there going strong, I think ASU will go strong too. Well, jumping into what we were talking about earlier, the 174-184, that part of the lineup is questions are looming. And Kyle Valencia wrestled in the Mountaineer Open, not the Invitational. The Invitational was for the starters. He wrestled in the Open which was more for the freshman and stuff. And he did win, but Zeke still said that he's, he might not still be ready for that starting spot. So are you guys, do you guys see Kyle starting uh, on Friday against Oklahoma? Could you guys see someone else? And what should we, should we be worried as at least ASU guys about this 74, 84 question? So in the 74, the other guy that wrestled against Kyle in the, scrimmage was Zane Coleman and Zane Coleman lost to Kyle but then in the open he went three and one losing to Mason McDaniel so Kyle went four and oh and beat Coleman in the scrimmage and then Coleman loses one but he still looked pretty good besides that loss it was an eight six loss so he wasn't 
like dominated in it. So he looked pretty good. I know it was against Mason McDaniel or Life University. So I don't, I think Kyle should be the starter just because he's undefeated right now and he didn't lose a match and he also beat Coleman. So that's the only question is who would you wrestle there at 174 if it's not Kyle? Because Kyle beat Coleman. So that's just my only thing. Who would you start over him? Unless there's someone else in practice or maybe in a different weight class at 74. Yeah, I mean, he's still young too. I know it's this was his first real college matches. Um, and like maybe he's not ready yet, but I mean, towards the end of the season, it could be a different story. He could be a whole different wrestler with a whole different mindset, you know? Yeah, I do believe Kyle started wrestling when he was uh, <clears throat> a lot older than his brothers. I want to say it was like seventh grade or something like that. I could be wrong. I know the I know the the twins or you know Zahid and Anthony Anthony wrestled at a lot younger age, but Kyle started later. Had to really kind of pick it up. But uh, let's get into this preview. I want to kind of look at you know match by match how ASU compares against um, Oklahoma. Just I'm I'm looking at um, let's see Russell stat here. Not maybe that's not, also what I'm looking at. Yeah. So first, for, we'll start at 125. So you got Brandon Courtney against Joey Prada. I'm gonna say it is probably gonna be a majority decision. I want to know what you guys are thinking. I think Courtney wins it in the stat. They give a prediction of 10-6. I think it'll probably be a little low scoring maybe in a sense but I think Courtney will win and I don't think it'll be a major decision I think it'll just be a three-point win for ASU at 125. Yeah I mean Brandon Courtney's been solid for a while now he I mean and he's coming back from an uh being a national runner-up he I mean he's a solid guy I mean I'd expect him to take it and I'd, pro I'd probably expect him to take it by majority decision, too. I think that's a pretty good guess. All right, so majority of us take the majority decision. So we'll go 4-0 ASU right now. We now have Mikhail McGee against Anthony Madrigal. And it's so far, McGee's 1-0 against Madrigal. They, he actually majored him about, about a year ago, a little less than a year ago, 13-3. to I'm going to say he, he probably just gets a decision. He's probably going to just get three this time. I would probably also agree with that. Like you said, majored him last time. I think it'll be probably a little closer and just a three-point win for McGee. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty close, too. So we're going to go – oh, go ahead. No, it's, it's all good. Because, I mean, uh, actually, McGee already beat him in the past, too. But yeah, about a year ago. Hard to beat a good wrestler twice. So, I mean, that, that one really is a toss-up. So we're going to say 7-0 right now, ASU? Yeah, 7-0. All right, so then Jesse Vasquez going against Dom Demas. Dom Demas. He, and this is probably their, their top guy for Oklahoma, one of at least. So do we see Vasquez pulling off another upset, or are we going to give it to Oklahoma this time? I, I say Oklahoma. I don't know if Vasquez is quite up to that level quite yet. I would probably say the same. I think that the Oklahoma Dom takes it, but I feel like it could be closer than people may think. 
in this. They have it 9-5. I just think Vasquez is wrestling really well right now. And could an upset happen? Yes. Will it? Probably not. But keep an eye out for it just in case it does happen. Because you never know it is wrestling. Chip chair a chance. I think it'll be a close match. He won't get pinned or majored. It'll probably be around like 8-6, something in that range. Yeah, I think as long as he keeps it close, he'll give himself like a, a really good chance to pull it off. Um, but I think in the long run, Demis will just – I think he'll take it. And I, I think – I actually think it'll be pretty low scoring, like 4-3, four, like 4-2, four, four, something like that. Okay. So we'll say it's 7-3 now, ASU, and we're going to go to the new transfer, Parco, against Mitch Moore. They have it projected at 6-4 to four for Parco. And it's a it's it is a top top twenty matchup between the two, but I think I got to give Parco the three points. Parco and ASU the three points. I would also go the same. I think Parco he just looked really strong in the scrimmage, and then also in the Mountaineer Invitational he looked strong as well. So I would also give it to Parco, and it would be a three point win when he if he wins. Yeah, I mean, I'm also taking Parco. Um, it'll be a really tough match, and I feel like it'll. Another, I feel like this will be another close one, and like a good one to watch. But I think I think Parco is going to pull it off. But I also think it'll be low scoring. Dang, kid, you got a defensive match right here. Yeah. <laughs> defensive battles. This next one's going to be interesting. 157 Shakori Teamer against Justin Thomas and Teamer. On, on paper, is a lot more dominant. But he's 0-2 against Thomas. He's lost 6-2, lost 8-4. And even though Flo has, what, Teamer is ranked fourth, Thomas is 18. 13. He's 13 on WrestleStat. He's 13 on WrestleStat. He's 18 on Flo. So it's a, it's a top five against a top 15 guy. Teamer right. at home. I, I like Teamer. I like Teamer. I think he can beat this kryptonite he has. Yeah. They say I, this in oh, – go ahead, Gabe. My bad. Um, I mean, sometimes some opponents just have your number. You know, like the thing about wrestling is sometimes your style might not work against someone else, and that just could be this guy. Um, but I already said it earlier. It's hard to beat a good wrestler multiple times. You know, eventually, Jacory Teamer – should be able to figure this out. And I think what better time than now? You know? And Teamer does have four matches played or wrestled this season. And he's looked good in all of them. So, and they say this in football, it's hard to beat a team three times in a row. And he's beat them twice. So if you look at it, I think he might have a chance. And I think he will win, but I think it's this might be the match of the night just because Thomas, has beat him twice and teamer is probably the better wrestler overall but thomas has his numbers so we'll see but i think teamer gets one on him and makes it a 2-1 in the matchup series all right so we have a 13-3 asu we're halfway through looking at 165 anthony valencia against troy mantonona they have a projected tech fall and i I think I'm going to have to agree with that. I mean, Troy Mantonona, if I can recall, is the younger one of the two and the weaker one of the two Mantonona's for Oklahoma. So I'm going to give 
Valencia the benefit of the doubt and say he comes out firing with the tech. Yeah, yeah that, that probably it. seems right. Valencia, he's wrestled good at the tournament. And Troy Mantanoa, you're right. He is the sophomore. And Anthony is the junior. And Troy is two and three on the season. But, yeah, I like Anthony to dominate this one. And he'll probably will tech ball him. And maybe a pin possibility in this one. So I think ASU takes that one and probably a five or six point win for ASU. Yeah, no, I'd have to agree. I really think uh, Anthony should be able to take this one. Uh, And like, he's just the scoring machine. I don't really know if he will pin this pin Mantanona or like try to pin him. Um, But like, yeah, he loves scoring points. So I could easily see this being attacked. Now, uh, this next one, 174, we're going to say Kyle Vessels. So this one is probably the lowest ranked one out of all the weight classes. You got a honorable mention, Anthony Mantanona, against an unranked Kyle who just had his first test. And Anthony's not bad. I, he's made he's, – he's a 500 type of wrestler and will make an NCAA. He'll be a qualifier probably. Kyle on the fence. You know, we don't know too much about him yet. So I – they have it as a tech fall, which I think is pretty ridiculous. I'm going to say major decision if it if Kyle was thrown out there for Mantanona. I would say the same. I don't think it's going to be a tech fall like it has on this website. I think it'll probably be a major decision and even could be a minor. Because Kyle's looks really good. And Mantanoa, I don't know much about him. He is... If I look, he's four and no, he's yeah, he is four and one on the season. He looked pretty good at the Michigan State opener, only losing to Troy Fisher, who's on an honorable mention. And he did get major decision, and his last one was a six-five win. So actually, I think it could be closer than it think because I'm looking at some of his last matchups, and he hasn't looked really good. He got majored to a dude who's not ranked highly. And then he was in a close six to five matchup against Dennis Robin, who's not really ranked high on this website of West Virginia. So I'm kind of convincing myself if Kale gets thrown in that it could be a closer match. So I'm only going to say it's a my or a, just a normal decision in this one. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like upperclassmen can get in their heads when they have to wrestle like freshmen, you know, thinking like, they really have to beat him by a lot or really try and make up points or something like that. So I could see him making a mistake that uh, Kyle could take advantage of, you know? All right. Uh, so we'll say 18-7 ASU. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt for the major and go to 84, where it's Darren Roberts against projected Josh Nummer. And Josh struggled at the Mountaineer uh, Open, not even the invitation of the Open. So this one, they have projected at a major decision. And I'm going to have to agree with that. Darren Roberts is nothing special. He's a borderline top 25 guy. He'll probably be 0-2 at the NCAAs this year. But I think he is definitely the better wrestler of the two. And he definitely is It's going to be a big match for Oklahoma because they're going to be down, especially according to what our thing says. And they're going to need – a win if they want to stay alive at this part of the the duel? I would say the same. I think he wins, probably majors him, just 
like you said, number didn't look good at the Appalachian State Open, not even the individual tournament, the Open. And even in the scrimmage, he didn't look all too impressive at the 184 spot. So I think Oklahoma takes this one. Yeah, no, I'd have to agree. Um, number hasn't really done anything too special. I mean, neither has Roberts, but I mean, Roberts is just overall more solid. So we have 18-11 ASU. This will be another big matchup if Oklahoma wants to come back. It's Cordell Norfleet against Jake Woodley. And Jake Woodley is ranked sixth right now compared to Norfleet, who is ninth according to Flow. But Norfleet beat uh, Woodley last year in um, in overtime four to three. So it's, it's really a toss-up. It's at home. Is Cordell – really ready to bounce back or is he gonna is he gonna fall short early in the season I'm taking Cordell all the way <laughs> I mean, I've, I've seen this man with my own eyes come up with some big wins in some important times um and he's he's beat him once you know um it's definitely possible for him to do it a second time yeah Cordell looks great in the scrimmage that I went to and he's went four and at the Appalachian individual tournament and Woodley, he, he is also a five and zero beating the people that uh, at the Michigan state open faced Patrick Gruick, Michigan's top guy there and also be Michigan state's top wrestler. So he's having a good season so far early on. So I think it'll be close. But I think Norfleet's the better wrestler, and I think he takes it in a close one. And this will also be a top match of the night. Yeah, I'm obviously supposed to be unbiased, you know, here on the podcast and the meet and uh, media overall. But I have to say, Cordell is my favorite wrestler, and I it's hard to go against him. The last two years, he's gone into that NCAA tournament uh, with with huge momentum, and I've taken him as a dark horse both times, and. When I every time I see him, he, he looks like a football player. He he is one of the strongest wrestlers in the country. He's dominant in neutral. He's dominant on top. And so I I am gonna take Cordell. I cannot go against him. So I'm gonna say it's it's 21-11 now for ASU heading into the final one. ASU has already won it, but we're gonna still do it. Colton Schultz against Josh Heinzelman. Heinzelman is 0-1, lost a 3-2 decision last year in the NCAAs to Colton. Colton also had probably one of, if not the best, um, uh, performances at the uh, Invitational, had two pins. So Schultz, a top-five guy, Heinzelman, top 25. It'll be an interesting matchup, but I'm going to take Schultz again by a decision. I think I'll do the same. I think Schultz is the better wrestler, and I think he won't pin him or anything special. I think he'll just get a basic three-point win for ASU, and ASU will have a good night and win against Oklahoma. Yeah, Colton Schultz is a dangerous man at heavyweight. You know, he's young, um, but he's competed against some of the best in the world before, you know. Um, I could I could see him – beating this dude pretty handily. You know, I could see him majoring. Um, yeah, I think that's what I'm going to go with. Wow. 
Well, I'm going to keep it at the decision because majority rules instead of the majority decision. So, WrestleStat had it at 23 to 12. We got it 24 to 11. So, ASU, we have over the top against Oklahoma in their first duel. And just like that, we are going to be finishing it up for the Wrestling Room Podcast, Episode 1. I hope you guys enjoyed. And we will be back for a second episode, hopefully after an interesting week and our predictions are right for the ASU-Oklahoma duel.